please be seated for our Bible readings. Our first reading is taken from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, beginning at verse 7, and you can find it on page 207 of the New Testament. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself captive. He gave gifts to his people. When it says he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the same one who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children, tossed to and fro by, and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness in deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knitted together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. And our second reading is Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse 1, and that can be found on page 73. The mission of the twelve. Then Jesus called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal He said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, not even an extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there and leave from there. Wherever they do not welcome you, as you are leaving that town, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They departed and went through the villages, bringing the good news and curing diseases everywhere. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we pray? Lord, may my mouth speak wisdom and the meditation of my heart bring understanding. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to try and explain this this passage from Ephesians that we're going through with a series of three images. 
The first image was, if you were here last week, I showed you this image of the old-fashioned pair of scales. And the idea being is that, if you like, the book of Ephesians is split into two halves. Chapter 1 to 3, which is all about our calling in Christ. And then chapters 4 to 6, kind of urging us or exhorting us, encouraging us to lead a life worthy of that calling. And the two halves link in verse 1, in that verse where Paul writes, to lead a life worthy of the calling that you have received. And the key word is the word worthy. It's the Greek word axios. And the whole idea behind it is that we should lead lives in balance with our calling. That calling is the same for whoever we are. That calling is to be in Christ. And so we're looking, both last week we started, we'll look this week, next week, and in two weeks after that, at various scenarios where we can examine, are we leading our life in a way that is worthy of the calling that we have received? Last week we looked at this idea of maintaining unity in the church. That's one way. If we maintain unity as a body in the church, then we lead our lives in balance and the scales are in equilibrium. This week we carry on that theme. It carries on the theme of unity, but this time unity through diversity of each one of us using the gifts that God has given us to equip all of us in the church to attain maturity and fullness in Christ. And when we do that, Once more, it's another example of those scales, if you like, in that first image, balancing. And today I want to introduce you to to another diagram. It's more of a, a model, really, and we'll spend most of our time this morning looking at this particular model. It comes from the Australian writer and missiologist Alan Hirsch, who's wrote a lot in this area over the past 10 years. Begin with me, though, by looking at the the outer edge of it and this acronym APEST. The acronym APEST stands for, if you like, those five ministries mentioned in verse 11 of chapter 4. The apostles, the sent ones, the prophets, the messengers of God, the evangelists who proclaimed the good news of God, the pastors or, or shepherds, as he's calling it here, because the Greek word for pastor is the word poimenus which means to shepherd, and, and teachers who loved teaching. Now, I want us to just, just pause for a minute and just think about those five words and think about them in terms of Jesus. So was Jesus an, an apostle? Was he a prophet? Was he an evangelist? Was he a shepherd? Was he a, was he a teacher? Just think about it for a moment. Think about examples that we might know from the Bible as to what we might see was Jesus, each of these five. See, Jesus, for me, was an apostle. He was the sent one, wasn't he? What's the most famous verse in the Bible? It said, for God so loved the world that God sent. Jesus was an apostle. Was Jesus a prophet? Remember that very famous question that Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? And they replied with kind of a list of the great prophets. Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say one of the prophets. Jesus had this ability, didn't he, to foresee 
Peter's denial and his own death? Was Jesus an evangelist? Jesus, in many ways, he embodied, he is the good news. Remember the woman at the well? Or Jesus with, with, with Zacchaeus? Was Jesus a shepherd? How did he describe himself in John 10 as the good shepherd who came, comes to lead his people? And then was Jesus a teacher? You know, people were amazed, weren't they, at Jesus' teaching. They just couldn't believe it because he taught with authority. Perhaps the, the, if you like, the term that Jesus is called more than anything else was this word teacher. Did the expert in the law who, was, who came to him to ask him the question and that led to the story of the Good Samaritan, he introduced Jesus and said to him, teacher, You see, we don't need much biblical literacy, do we? Because I've just taken some of the most famous passages from the Gospels to show over and over again how Jesus embodied each of these five ministries. If you like, they're the ministries of Christ or the MOX as it's been shortened to in this diagram. And what we read is, in verse 7, we read how these ministries of Christ are gifts given to the body of Christ. That's what B-O-X has been shortened to. And so the question is, often historically, these gifts of apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers, people have seen them as gifts given only to leaders of the church. In other words, that they are leadership gifts. Whereas for me, what, what I've found looking at it over and over again is I find that these gifts are given to all of us. I don't know what you think, but that's what, that's what I think. I think, yeah, they were absolutely crucial to the foundation and the creation of the church. And you could just see that as you read through the book of Acts. And clearly they're evident in the leadership of any church. Or they should be. But for me, each of them is given to all of us. Here's why. Here's why I think that. Firstly, if we were to look and read through all the way through the book of Ephesians, we'd find out very early on that this wasn't a book just to one particular church. It was a book to a number of churches in and around Ephesus. And also, it wasn't written to the leaders of the church. It was written, if you look at it in verse 1, it was written to the saints, to the hagios. Now, when we think about saints, let's just understand things. We're not talking about someone who the Pope thinks is special. When the Bible uses the word saints, he's referring to whom? Go on, you'll have to shout a bit louder because the baby's crying. God, tell me. Every one of us. That's right. That's what he's, he's referring to. He's referring to all of us, not just the leaders. Secondly, if we look in verse 7 of chapter 4, it says, but each of us. Each of us in English is exactly the same as each of us in Greek, let me tell you that, was given grace. When we think about grace there, we're not thinking necessarily of, of Jesus' death on the cross. It's a synonym for gift which we read in verse 11, is given to each of us. 
Now, you may ask, what if I'm wrong? And I could be, basically. And I'll come back to what difference that might make later on. But we read these five gifts, for me, the way I read it, were given to all of us. They were given to all of us by the risen and ascended Jesus. What that means is that we won't all have five, each of those five gifts in equal measure like Jesus did. Most of us will have one predominant gift and the other ones will be lesser. But we should still learn to exercise ministry in those areas. But actually, when I look at the role of the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, with the exception of the apostles, their ministry haven't changed through 20 centuries. Of course, the apostles, the difference with the apostles were they were the eyewitnesses of Jesus' resurrection. They were the founders of the early church. But the apostles means the sent ones. The French word, perhaps, envoy, perhaps give us a better understanding. There are still people today planting churches. There are still people today starting new ministries. Comes when we think about it. How many ministries do we know that God in this island that kind of had its roots in this church perhaps 30 years ago or 25 years ago? Clearly evident. People who were pioneers, hungry with a desire to start new ministries. I wonder... Do you see yourself called to be an apostle? Then there were the prophets. God's messengers, if you like, who who heard and spoke the words of God and kept reminding the people of God of God's covenant faithfulness. Sometimes that was words of rebuke. On other occasions, it was encouraging words. But there were people who were passionate about justice and honesty and and integrity. I wonder, do you see yourself called to being a prophet? You know, when we think of people in this church, when we think as a, as a church, when I think about one of the values of our church, I think about how much of our giving every year we give away to causes that are passionate about, about justice and honesty. An integrity that says that that's not right or we should remember this group of people. And when we, when we think about that, if you want a figure, that's over, to be honest with you, that's over £40,000 every year. You won't find that in many churches in this island. What about the evangelists who proclaimed the good news to all that the crucified Jesus Christ was risen from the dead and Lord of all? I wonder... Do we consider ourselves an evangelist? People who just want to tell other people about, different, about Jesus and the difference he makes and give testimony to that. Or the shepherds, the pastors who lead and maintain and develop healthy community and enriching relationships in the church who see some sort of need before other people see a need and act on it. You speak words of comfort and encouragement. Do you see yourself as a shepherd? Or what about a teacher? People who look for ways to explain, enlighten and apply biblical truth. Who, who kind of love this book and love studying this book. And trying to help people understand what it means. Do you see yourself called to be a teacher? 
And these gifts we read in verse 12, they equip us all for the work of ministry, to be the church, the body of Christ. And when we use the gifts, if you like, the gifts that God has given us, that are Jesus' gifts, when we use those gifts that he has given us, in balance with our calling, that's what it means to grow in Christ. That's the picture that Paul's tried to get across, that the scales in our lives balance. If we think about that for a minute, just think about it that for a moment. Last week I said there could be no solo Christians. If you follow the implications of this, what that means is there can't be any kind of like pew-filling Christians, can there? That what it means is that we're all part of the workforce. We're all called to use our gifts, as T.S. Eliot said in his great poem on the church, The Rock. There is work together, a church for all, and a job for each. Every person to his work. You know, I've just spent three days in Harrogate at a, at, at a conference. And the main speakers at that conference, they were, they were 79 years old. And they travelled the world. They just got back from Korea. 79. No retirement in, in the church. There really isn't. We might slow down a bit, but they're not. And you could see that they had health issues, but my goodness, when they opened their mouth, you, you listened. Didn't want to miss a moment of it. And the Greek word translated equip here in verse 12 is only used in this form in the Bible, but actually it's a very rich word. And it's used in all sorts of different ways in other parts of the Bible. It's used in a medical way. You know, if we've got a broken bone, and what does a doctor do when we've got a broken bone? He resets the joint or our knees out of place or that sort of thing. He resets it. He puts it back together. That's what the word equip means. It's got a fishing sense as well. Some of you might, be, might, might love fishing. And it's got this idea of to equip means to mend the nets. It's got this idea of, of making fit. Not in the sense of, of, of getting physically fit, but fit in the sense of being qualified to do a task, to be competent to do a task. It's got this idea as well that the writer to the Hebrews talks about it in terms of creation. And he talks about how God took this world out of chaos... And into a working cosmos. And it took, what was it, 1970 years, or perhaps actually more than that. It took however many centuries this earth is for the scientists to suddenly realize that God was right. And here Paul uses it to describe what is the result of us, the church, exercising these five ministry gifts. In other words, that just as a doctor equips someone with set by setting a broken bone or, equip, or a fisherman equips himself by mending his net, here what he's saying is this organic living, interrelated body that we are called to be as a church needs to be equipped. It needs to be coordinated. It needs to be mended in places. It needs to be put together. And it happens through these gifts of apostles, teachers, shepherds, evangelists, prophets. To go and do Christ's work, both here and elsewhere. And it's a beautiful picture of what Jesus dreams the church to be. And it says that when we do that, we will be living in the fullness of Christ, or FOX as it's been shortened here. 
And what we get left with in these final three verses of Ephesians 4, 14 to 16, are images. Images, firstly, that speak in a negative sense of what a church looks like, if you like, when we don't live our lives in balance with our calling in this sense. And then secondly, in a positive sense, The negative ones are, if you like, we're given three related images of when the scales are out of balance in terms of using our gifts, or perhaps it would be better to think of it in terms of not using our gifts. And each of them has this idea of vulnerability, doesn't it? There's a picture of a child, an immature child, perhaps indicating that we don't know what our gifts are because... We kind of never grown up. Or secondly, we've got this picture of a boat being tossed on the seas, an easy image for us to imagine in this island, indicating perhaps that we're unsure of how to move forward in the area of our lives because we don't understand biblically or we've never kind of got to grips with it. So the waves of uncertainty kind of just dictate who we are and Am I this or am I this? I don't know. So let's just ignore it. Or then this picture of someone being conned by someone who's very clever. Indicating perhaps that we're being conned by someone else's opinion or scheming with their own agenda. And you know, those are the three negative images. And Paul just says, sometimes we use these words in love. And sometimes you know when people say in love you know perhaps what they're going to say is not going to be loving. But the words just say it in love, don't they? They just say it's time to, to grow up into Christ, to begin on that journey of discovering, or if we've kind of got off that journey, rediscovering Jesus' ministry gifts and living our lives in balance with our calling because this is the church that, that God wants each of us to be. I said earlier... What difference does it make if I'm wrong? Well, for me, I don't think you've, not, you've just wasted the last 15 minutes. Here's why. Because if these gifts are just for leaders, then all of us need to know what they are so that we can actually test them in the leaders of the church. Because they should be evident there. Secondly, each of us is still called to balance those scales in our lives. It might just not be in those areas, but each of us is then called to support the leaders of the church and play our role in building up the body of Christ. And then thirdly, well, if we think of each of these five areas, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers... Now I put that quote at the bottom of that handout. Well, the bare minimum, if we're not called to be pastors, is we're called to care. The role of paraclesis. We might not be called to, to be teachers, but we've all got to be able to hold out for the truth. All of us are, are responsible for hearing God's voice in our lives that perhaps the prophet might find easier. We're all called to do the work 
of an evangelist, 2 Timothy 4, 5, to share the good news, even if that takes us out of our, our comfort zones. And if we're not all apostolic, then we're all called to work out what God calls us to do, what God has sent each one of us to do. We are the body of Christ, which means together we represent the ministry of Jesus, who was the embodiment of all these five ministries. And when we experience all of those areas of ministry, we grow more into the likeness of Jesus. And we live our lives in balance with our calling. And so Jesus gives each of us a choice, doesn't he? Because the one thing we know about the risen and ascended Lord is that he doesn't lord it over us. He gives us free will. To choose to use our gifts in the body of Christ or not. And that final image on the handout is kind of asking us to consider... What's my profile in these five areas? What is my predominant gift? And how do the other gifts fit around that? And there's a question to maybe think about. And if you want to look at that more, there's a couple of references at the bottom where you can soon Google and find out quite a bit, quite easily. But the gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. Let us pray. Sovereign Lord, who equips your people to be the church, help us to lead our lives in a way worthy of our calling by using the gifts you have given us to serve in this church. Give us wisdom to know what these gifts are and give us joy as we serve as the body of Christ in this place. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord of the church. Amen.